to you live from the Elliott Avenue studios of Sports Radio 950 KJR. This is Sounders Weekly with your host, Jackson Feltz. Good evening and welcome to Sounders Weekly. You're listening to the new home of Seattle Sounders FC, Sports Radio 950 KJR. This is Sounders Weekly. It's a one-hour show every Tuesday evening from 7 to 8 p.m. dedicated to the Seattle Sounders. My name is Jackson Feltz here in studio to give you the latest and greatest. We've got a big show here for you tonight. Uh, sitting to my left here in the Carter Volkswagen Studios, he's a man I've worked with for a number of years now. It's a pleasure to have him back here in the studios. He called the match on Saturday uh, for the Sounders against Columbus. His name is Andrew Harvey. Andrew, thanks so much for being here tonight. Yeah, Jackson, great to be back on, and uh, thanks for having me. So Andrew Harvey not only called the match on Saturday, he's also with Pro Soccer USA, Sounder at Heart, and also the play-by-play voice of S2. How's S2 season going so far? S2 is going well. You know, they have a lot of players that are really kind of developing and coming into their own. Um, I don't think in terms of guys who are ready for call-ups just yet, but you know, there's some guys down there like Nick Hines, Shannon Hopiow, Felix Chankum, who are really starting to get more competitive minutes, uh, and it's really been great because the starting lineups, I mean... We had 15-year-old Ray Serrano start a match not too long ago. 15 years old. And he's, he's, making, he's getting pro starts in the American second division. Wow. So S2 is, is turning into a really great proving round for those guys. That's outstanding. And matches down there at Cheney Stadium in Tacoma. It looks beautiful. It was out there a, a few weeks ago. So you make sure to, to head down there and, and listen to Andrew. And you can listen to those matches where? ESPN you... Plus is what we're on now. So we're, we're through that USL streaming deal with ESPN Plus. Okay. Uh, and all those matches, if you want to be a bit of a, a film I guess I was going to say bookworm, but that really doesn't work with film, does it? Uh, they all get posted to YouTube a week after they air. Great stuff. All right. Well, Andrew's here in studio for the whole hour tonight. Uh, we are going to speak with general manager and president of Soccer Garth Logaway coming up about 25 minutes from now here on the show. Uh, have some a lot to talk to him about. He made big news last week by saying that they're going to invest eight figures into a designated player in the summer window. So we'll talk to him about that and many other topics. And then at the end of the show, a sounder legend will be joining the show you may have heard of him roger levesque uh, <laughs> he was only a sounder for what nine ten years so he'll be joining the show in the last segment he is doing some stuff with give big day uh, which is tomorrow so we'll talk about that and also his thoughts on the sounders season so far that'll be a lot of fun towards the end of the show i should mention this by the way before we begin talking about this last game against columbus at eight o'clock when our show ends here on sounders weekly we're going to be throwing it to game five of uh, new orleans Pelicans against Golden State Warriors. That's at 8 p.m. We'll join that game in progress as the Golden State Warriors look to close out that series and advance in the NBA playoffs. So you'll check that out here after Sounders Weekly tonight. But, Andrew, let's get right into it, this big show. Before we talk about the week ahead, and this is a very, very busy week for the Seattle Sounders. You face the Portland Timbers on Sunday, and then right now the team is preparing to face Toronto FC tomorrow. That match at 4.30, pregame starts at 4 o'clock. You can listen to that right here on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Before we look ahead, let's look back a little bit. This game against Columbus. This was, I don't know the perfect exact phrase to put it it was frustrating that might be the best word as will bruin said after the game it's zero zero you get a point out of it but you're a man up for 75 minutes and you can't score jack as we're getting to summer jackson have you ever had a like a, a firework like an m80 that you went out you drove to the native <laughs> you know to the native american reservation and, and purchased and then it fizzled because the the fuse wasn't quite yeah, right that that's happened. that's kind of how how that one felt uh coming down the barrel it's just, you know, like you said, 75 minutes of, of playing a man up. You're at home. You know, you've got almost 40,000 people 
uh, in attendance, and they just couldn't figure out how to get by. And admittedly, a very well-organized Greg Berhalter Columbus crew with 10 men. Uh, shout out to Pedro Santos for going full Daniel LaRusso, by the way, with that kick to the face of Alex Roldan. That was that would get you thrown out of the West uh, West Valley Karate Invitational <laughs> Tournament if I have that one right. I'm not sure how you defend that. If it was attempted to be defended, but the guy extended his leg and put a foot into Alex Roldan's face. That's it's, red. I mean, that's one of those things where whether you whether you mean to do that, you know, it doesn't matter if it's malicious or not. No, the no. law the law doesn't care about intent in that case. It's just it's such a recklessly dangerous action that you have no choice but to send the player off and credit to Hilario Grajeda for doing that. He made the right call after consulting VAR. Absolutely did. So let's dive into these 75 frustrating minutes. It was a whole lot of passes between outside backs and wingers and back and forth and back and forth sending in a total of 34 open play crosses. I think there were, I read somewhere that it was 45 total crosses. 45 if you include the set pieces. We look at 16 total shots, one shot on target. Yeah, and, and the crew had two, by the way. After going down, uh, I mean, right. and they and they were really kind of lucky shots to not go in because they beat Fry. I want to say both times and were just wide right or yeah, wide right on both shots by by Jossie Zardes. It's sort of like there's two ways to look at it. There's a glass half full of boy, we really escaped with a with a point there. On the other hand, you're up a man for 75 minutes, so there's the glass half empty. I I I think. Jackson, at best, this glass is is maybe a quarter full, maybe a third. I, you know what? A third's nice because you took one of three possible points. So oh, well. the glass is one third full. That works. <laughs> um, but no, look, I mean, the starting midfield for the Sounders, right, including the defensive midfielders, Gustav Svensson and Oswaldo Alonso, mm-hmm. attempted 307 passes uh, on, on the day. Of those 307, let me take a look here, uh, 10 of them, 10 passes were aimed at a target inside Columbus's penalty area. So just over... Three percent of Seattle's midfield passes on the day were going for someone inside the penalty area, and, and if you look back at a passing chart, I mean, it's just there's nothing going on in Columbus's yeah. area. Now, part of that is Berhalter subs on Alex Cronali. You know, you put three center backs in, you really lock things down, and they did. But there was just no incisiveness from Seattle's attack, and I think what we heard post game from everyone kind of was recognizing that. Right, there was frustration, and, and I, the word that we heard over and over from. Schmetzer to Will Bruin was the lack of creativity and and the element of they got to get creative in their attacks. But I think what a lot of people are wondering is what does that mean? What does creativity mean? How do you how do you install creativity into attack? Well, part of it's just being willing to take a, a little bit more of a risk with the ball. You know, there were times where uh, honestly, I, I think I said this on the broadcast. It looked a little bit like a you know basketball team that was really working it around the horn just you know you, got, you know that scene from semi pro or Jackie Moon right gets the ball gives it right back gets the ball gives it right back there was a lot of that but no one was saying hey i'm here you know in a dangerous position it's risky to send me this pass but let's try it let's see what happens uh, and i think part of that was apprehensiveness maybe about the counterattacking abilities sprung by Frederico Higuaín uh who's a phenomenal player yes. and has been for a number of years uh but for whatever reason, it, it just wasn't there. And the the biggest thing for me was the lack of what you might call like a negative space run, uh, which is to say a guy who's going to make a run, even though he knows he's probably not going to get rewarded with the ball, uh, to draw a defender. Because if you can get a guy to shift six inches one way, you know the ball's not that big. There's a lot of space out there. So if you can get something like that to open up, and, and I just wasn't really seeing that. 
How much of this do you think was the guy saying, all right, we got 75 minutes of man. We got time. We can be a little bit more patient. We don't have to you know, risk things too much. Sort of a, a relaxed mentality of, and not to say relax is a bad thing, but to say that it was a calmness in the effort to score rather than a right in the 18th minute. All right, we're up, man. Let's go. Let's take some risks. We got the rest of the game If in case these risks don't work. Why didn't that happen? I think Will Brun uh, had a really good take on it after the match, and what he said was it felt like everyone wanted to be the guy that didn't make the mistake. Mm. You know, everyone everyone from his eyes was too content to go, okay, I got the ball, I'm going to move it along, and then someone else is going to make something happen. Um, and I, I think right now, especially with the injury situation that the Sounders have been struggling with, you know, there's that aspect of it, it has to kind of come along a little bit more. Someone has to go, nope, I'm the guy. I'm going to go stick my nose in there. I might get wiped out. I might lose the ball. Um, but, you know, to borrow a pardons from Wayne Gretzky, you know, <laughs> miss 100% of the shots you don't take, and that's true in terms of creating shots, too. Credit to Clinton Dempsey, honestly. I mean, he uncorked a couple from long range, yeah. but he was definitely willing to go, yeah, I'll go for this bicycle kick. That's what they need, is they need to take those shots, especially in that time when you have the rest of the game. You can take a risk in that first half. You know you have 45 minutes left in case those risks don't work out. So the Columbus game, very frustrating. They do get a point out of it, so you get a point in this very difficult stretch here with Toronto, Portland. Andrew, we now transition where we saw what happened with Columbus. And, I mean, Brian Schmitzer said it as well. He was also frustrated with the attack. And, by the way, you mentioned the injuries. Really quickly on that before we move on. Nico Ladero, coach's decision to be held out. Schmetzer said after the game that it was a significant foot injury. We don't know about the status against Toronto. We don't know the status against Portland, so it's just kind of a wait-and-see approach. We know that Roman Torres is out for about four weeks, I think Schmetzer said last week. Victor Rodriguez, he had surgery last week. He had a knee scope. That timeline is unknown. There's a lot of players you got to make up for. Kim Kihi looks fine at center back, but that band of three, that's a situation where you got to figure out some stability there. I'll, I'll say this. Kim Kihi had probably maybe the best game out of uh, all the Sounders that day. Part of that is alleviated by the fact that he didn't really have much to do. For, <laughs> Sounders had 65% of the possession, Jackson. So, you know, it was a pretty leisurely day. Uh, also, credit to Stephen Fry for not falling asleep uh, back there because otherwise those couple of counterattacks, right. Columbus might have gone away with three points. Um no, Kim looked solid, but you know, you've got Torres is banged up, Chad Marshall's coming back from a neck strain, um, who, you know, Marshall was also pulled at the half to get Buana in there to get some more attacking right. zest. Um speed. Yep. And and just you know, Wayland Francis also, the other left back, is still dealing with a hamstring thing. It's just I I remember Schmetzer said, I, I have no idea how this is happening because it's if it was all the same injury, you could be like, Okay, there must be something wrong with how we're doing X. But it's been so myriad, you know, Jordan Morris goes down on a freak non-contact thing that blows his ACL and he's gone for the season before it even starts. Snake bit, Jackson. The yeah. team's a little snake bit right now. <laughs> There's a lot of jokes we can make about that. So we look ahead now to Toronto tomorrow. 4.30 kickoff, 4 o'clock is pregame right here on KJR. Brian Schmetzer joined our own Dave Softy Mahler on Monday, uh, just yesterday, and said something very interesting. He said, we're kicking around a different formation. We need to figure out something. We need to figure out a way to be more goal dangerous. We've been kicking uh, some different things around. It could be a 4-4-2, could be a 3-5-2. We just need somebody to get hot and put the ball in the back of the net. So we talk about this creativity. We talk about changing the attack, figuring out something, you know, to change things up and get things going. 
a 4-4-2 with, I would assume, Dempsey and Bruin up top, a 3-5-2. I mean, let's focus on the 3-5-2 really quickly, I think, first, before we go back to the 4-4-2. What would a 3-5-2 with this team look like right now? It's a really good question. Um I imagine you're dropping this on me, and I hadn't really prepared for a three-five-two. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to figure out too. I mean, you naturally thinking Gustav Svensson can play center back, so maybe he's in that three with Kim Ki Hee and Chad and Marshall. Chad Marshall. I, honestly, between the three of them, I think there's enough athleticism there that you could then right. You'll have Kevin Kelvin Leardom and and Nuhu pushed up as the outermost midfielders, right. uh, and they're going to play a much more shuttling role. A lot of people kind of go, well, what's the difference between a three-five-two and a five-three-two? And the truth is, one turns into the other when you turn the ball over. Uh, but so you'd have those two on the outside. You got to have Ozzy in there at holding midfield. Christian, a Christian Roldan is almost a certainty for me. He's the first person I write down when I'm scoping out a lineup every yeah. week. Um, honestly, maybe Magnus Wolf Eichram at a ten roll. If because if you're going to have Clint Dempsey and Will Bruin up top, maybe you want you know Wolf to to come in and facilitate a little bit more as a, as a ten. He's really good at that. And also, I think the club. They kind of wanted more out of him defensively. It's sort of why he'd been losing out on minutes to Alex Roldan. He came on, and he was more than happy to play defense. He had one great recovery tackle when he was charging back and, and stopped a counterattack on the break. So, you know, I think maybe now's the time that, you know, Magnus wolf Eichram gets a chance to make a start, and if he can make something happen, spot's his. Definitely being a TAM player, we haven't, we've seen Alex Roldan starting in his place. It would be nice to see maybe if a fire was lit under him to come out and have a really good performance in a 3-5-2 with something with a change like that, put him in a 10, just see how he reacts to that. Maybe it's Schmetzer's idea. I know he likes to challenge guys and likes to, you know, throw situations at them and see how they respond. That could be that exact scenario. So then we go from the 3-5-2 to the 4-4-2. Now this is a little bit different in the sense of you're, you're sticking with your consistent back four of a Chad and a Kim Kihi and then either Nuhu or Waylon Francis on the left and then you have Calvin Leard on, on the right. But it's that four, midfield four, is the question of where guys go and, and how guys sit in there. Is it the same situation where Ikram you could see as one of those middle of the four in the midfield? You know, so for me, I... If they go to a 4-4-2, I don't think it's necessarily 100% a given that Clint Dempsey becomes the other target man really? on top. Well, here's here's what I'm saying. The, the problem Christian for Christian Roldan, striker. Christian Roldan, striker. Now, uh, we're going to put Stefan Fry up top. <laughs> and it's, look, it's we're getting wacky. Now, I think, and this would be interesting to see, what about putting Henry Wingo up top, hmm. right? Because then you've got a guy with top-class speed, which is something that the Sounders have dramatically lacked up top this season, and it opens up the opportunity to go, you know what, we are kind of just past midfield, let's lob one over the top here, have Wingo run onto it, and then you've got Will Bruin arriving, you have Dempsey arriving from a central attacking midfield role, and, and Wingo has already proven against Santa Tecla at home, he can hit a pretty decent ball to his teammates. So, you know, people don't always love to watch smash and grab, but if it stretches out Toronto and it forces them to play Seattle a little bit more honestly coming into the attacking third, I'd be interested to see how it worked out. That's an interesting take. Wingo made, uh, by the way, made his second appearance of the MLS season. He came on for Nuhu in the 77th minute against Columbus, so he's factoring back in now as well. Maybe that's some credence to see get him some minutes and 
see what he can do. So let's talk Toronto. This is a team coming in. This is a team that is hosting Seattle, I should say, tomorrow. Is They're playing in Toronto, the site of MLS Cup 2016 and 17. Good memories and bad memories. I'm weird. sorry, I, I, 2017? I have no recollection <laughs> of that incident, Senator. <laughs> so there was good memories and bad memories there, but they host again tomorrow. This is a team that has seven points in seven games this season. They've dealt with fixture congestion, dealing with CONCACAF. They've dealt with injuries. At the end of the day, Toronto is still a damn fine soccer team with Sebastian Giovinco, Marky Delgado. Victor Vasquez is the other big one. And Bradley as well. This is still a very, very good soccer team. Yeah, absolutely. The The biggest thing, the news coming out today, that they won't have Josie Altador. He underwent surgery earlier in the week, I believe, to remove bone fragments from his foot. So he's gone for four to six. Mm. Um, but that said, you know, this is a Toronto FC team that was very clearly all in and full steam ahead on trying to push for the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, in their final, and it didn't come off for them. So now, right, they're trying to bring all of their energy and attention back to MLS play where they're two wins, a draw, and four losses so far. Uh, and if they, you know, they'll be at home, they've gotten the better of Seattle, they've played dramatically better soccer than Sounders have at BMO over the last two times they played there. So it'll be very interesting to see, you know, if Toronto comes out of the gate firing or if they similarly struggle to get a consistent lineup. This is the one other team in MLS right now that has a claim to be as banged up as the Sounders are. I mean, no Nick Hagland, Drew Moore's out with a quad strain, Chris Mavinga's got a hamstring issue, Justin Morrow's got a calf problem, uh, and former Sounder Eric Zavalletta has a quad strain. So, you know, once again, it's all leg muscle stuff. Uh, you know, look, I've been saying for years these teams are more alike than they are different, and it's <laughs> proven true in 2018. How much do you think revenge will, will play a role with the guys mentally? I, you know, I'll say this. If Seattle was in a different spot from where it is right now, I definitely think revenge would be on the brain, and it will be a little bit. You know, everyone that was on the field last year will certainly want to go out and have a better shift than they did in the MLS Cup final. But, you know, this Sounders team right now is so hungry for something to go their way. I, I think that's the primary motivator right now. That's the voice of Andrew Harvey. He called the match for Seattle against Columbus on Saturday. He's also with Pro Soccer USA, Sounder at Heart, and he's also the voice of S2. Uh, many roles here for Andrew Harvey. He's joining me for the entire show here today on Sounders Weekly. Should be fun. Uh, just a reminder, coming up at the end of Sounders Weekly tonight, we're going to be joining Game 5 of Pelicans versus Warriors in the NBA playoffs in progress. That at 8 p.m. Coming up next here on Sounders Weekly is going to be General Manager and President of Soccer Garth Lagerway. He'll join us for his weekly interview. And then make sure you listen to the end of the show as well. Roger Levesque, Sounders legend. He'll join us for a few minutes. That's all coming up on Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to Sounders Weekly on your home for Sounders FC, Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Welcome back to Sounders Weekly. You're listening to the new home of the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. My name is Jackson Feltz, back here in the Carter Volkswagen Studios alongside my good friend and colleague this evening, Andrew Harvey. He's with Pro Soccer USA. He's also with Sounder at Heart, the voice of S2. He was on the call for Sounders against Columbus on Saturday. Andrew, you're all over the place, so thank you again for joining me here tonight. Always a pleasure, Jackson. So, Andrew, every week here about 725 on Sounders Weekly, it's a pleasure to welcome on the general manager and president of soccer with the Seattle Sounders, Garth Lagaway. He joins us again right now. Garth, how are you this evening? Uh, I'm doing great, guys. How are you? 
We're doing very well here, Garth. Uh, so let's uh, start off tonight by talking about Columbus. Andrew and I just finished talking about Columbus in the opening segment a little bit. From where you're sitting, and there was a lot of frustration post-game. We heard it from Brian. We heard it from Will Bruin. From where you're sitting, what do you make of this attack right now? And what can you do as the GM to help fix those frustrations? Um, look, we, uh, you know, we said publicly we're going to bring in a DP this summer. We're, uh, we're looking to bring in a second player as well. Uh, I think those players will give us some more choices. Uh, we need to get healthy. Um, and, you know, we need to try to maximize the abilities of our existing players. And, you know, I do think we have players that are capable of uh, scoring and contributing to the attack. And clearly it's going to have to be a multifaceted attack. We're not going to have somebody probably break out and score 20 goals this year. Um, but, you know, you know, in addition to guys like Dempsey and Bruin, who are the obvious uh, goal scorers in the current side, you know, there are other guys that have gotten some goals for us in the past. And uh, we can get goals off uh, set pieces and, and have done that earlier this year. Kansas City comes to mind on the throw-in. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're capable of doing it, and we're going to have to be creative. And I think, the you know, one of the things to to focus on, we, you know, we deal with, hey, we're, we're struggling with score, right? We've been shut out five or seven games. There's no there's no getting around that. Um, the Morris injury has impacted us up front. Um, but we're also, we've also conceded the fewest goals uh, in the league. Now, we've played fewer games than some other teams have, too. But our defense has been solid. Uh, and as long as it stays solid, and that remains the, kind of the bulwark or the foundation of the club. Uh, hopefully we can build that offense back up and get our attacking crew into uh, in a, a shape where we can be impactful again. Garth, uh, Brian mentioned to Softy yesterday on the station that the team's kicking around the idea of maybe, you know, shaking things up with the formation a little bit. Uh, and I remember when Lodero first came, uh, you mentioned that it was going to be the start of, you know, Seattle trying to establish an identity and a brand of, of how they play. So I, I'm really curious, when you are looking at guys and when Chris Henderson's scouting guys, how much do you go, okay, we really think he fits into the formation that we play right now, or we think his style is going to gel with a formation that we could play? Well, I mean, I think the Columbus game showed that we missed Lodero. Let's start there. Um, you know, because he is the foundation of everything we do. Um, so, you know, look, we, we need – what I would say is the front office's job to define, broadly speaking, how we want to play. And we said we want to play possession-based, attacking, entertaining soccer. Um, and it's up to the coaching staff then to pick the formation and to pick the tactics and to decide who plays, you know, week in, week out. So um, certainly we have player profiles that fit the system that uh, the coaching staff – uses, uh, and we want to match players to those player profiles when we bring in signings. Um, and, you know, I think we do need to work toward uh, having a more clearly defined identity such that uh, when Nick goes out, um, we still have principles that are in common and, and uh, carry forward to the group. Um, and that's something that's, uh, you know, it's a work in progress in any team. And again, I, I'm, I'm cognizant that we're only seven games, seven league games into this season. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of soccer left to be played. We played 20% of the season. We've got 80, 80% left, uh, and hopefully brighter, di- brighter days ahead. Uh, and I think, you know, a couple of wins are going to make everybody feel a little bit better. Indeed it will, and hopefully they come this week here on the road, Toronto and Portland with these matches. Garth, you mentioned there the plans to bring in designated player. You 
excited everybody last week when you said the club plans to make an eight-figure investment in a designated player in the summer window. I have a couple follow-ups on that. The first one is when you talk about the eight-figure investment, what exactly does that mean? I had people reaching out asking, well, what does that mean? A transfer fee? Does that mean a salary per year? What does the eight-figure necessarily mean? What I would say is it's a player of the level of uh, Clint Dempsey or Obafemi Martins or Nicholas Ladero. You know, those are those are players that are in that eight-figure category in terms of an investment. Uh, and, you know, prefer not to get into more details of specifics just because that can impact negotiations. Uh, we don't want to show all our cards as we go to the marketplace and try to close deals. Um, but it's, uh, you know, meant to convey without equivocation or doubt that, you know, we, we're going to sign a player that we think is pretty good and that we think will be impactful and that uh, can hopefully help us uh, contend to win a championship. Garth Logaway, Sounders General Manager and President of Soccer, joining us here tonight on Sounders Weekly. Garth, one more follow-up to those comments, and you said it earlier here in this interview about bringing in another player in addition to that designated player. With all of the panic that there is in the attack right now, is the plan to have that second player be attacking-oriented as well, or could that be an upgrade to another defensive-oriented position such as left-back or defensive mid, for example? Um, you know, I think we're, we're looking at a couple of different profiles in that in that role. You know, as I said at the open, you know, right now, it's our attack that appears to be more in need of help than our defense. Um, but obviously, that's uh, you know, those are always evolving questions. And uh, the transfer transfer window opens on July 10th, so we have some time to uh, continue to evaluate our team, and again, hopefully, our team level improves and um, we get some guys back. And you know, that gives the best picture of you know what do we look like at something approaching full strength and we won't be full strength now until after the world cup so when trust me we're not going to wait that long to make the decision um but you know we are going to let it play out uh for the next couple of couple of weeks at least um as i think you've heard us say in the past we want to sign the dp first uh and then you sign the tam player second you want to make sure the tail's not wagging the dog you get your dp that you really want uh and then you try to get the tam player to complement the dp uh in terms of the overall team structure garth you you mentioned the world cup and and you know like you said, uh, full strength. There's a cool, you know, I, I've been going back and forth on whether to call it a best case or a worst case scenario. I think for the fans, it would be very cool to see all these guys get call-ups. I think maybe for you and Brian, you might like to see one or two guys get left off a roster, but Roman Torres might be going with Panama. Gustav Svensson might be going with Sweden. Kim Kihi might be going with South Korea. Uh, and all of a sudden, things are looking a little bit thin at center back. So I'm curious... What's your assessment of the progression of Sam Rogers uh, down with S2 uh, and whether or not he might wind up getting, you know, either a hardship call up or something like that uh, with Chad Marshall and Tony Alfaro being the other main center backs in the mix? Uh, I think Sam's done uh, well and he continues to improve. Um, you know, we really challenge Sam to uh, become a little tougher, a little harder um, to, to get into some more things. And he's really done that. He's really embraced that. Um, you know, I, I was joking with our staff today that if Wade Weber, who's a former center back, and John Hodgson is a former defensive midfielder, uh, if those guys can't teach uh, Sam uh, and bring out the best Sam Rogers there there is, uh, then nobody can. Uh, and Sam's been a sponge with those guys, and, and you know they they love him and have been really enjoyed working with him. And uh, you know we are really really high on Sam's future long term. You know, does that mean uh, in the next couple of weeks? Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, we need to see continued consistent performances from all of our young guys down at S2, not just Sam. 
Uh, so I think there's more than one talented player down on that team. And I've been very impressed with, with how they've played. And, you know, from a, from a style of play, from a level of play standpoint, I think this is the best S2 team we've ever had. From a number of prospects standpoint, I think this is the best S2 team we've had. Uh, so I think we're really making progress down there. We've had, you know, great partners turning out big crowds in Tacoma. Uh, with the Rainiers, and, uh, you know, it, it, I have n- literally nothing but positive things to say about S2. I think it's going great. Um, I think that the first team issues are separate. You know, I think the S2 guys are guys we're going to come in and blend and introduce into the team over time. You know, if you're talking about starting an MLS game in a, in a crucial situation, I think those are guys that, you know, uh, hopefully have, have, have been there and done that. And, um, you know, the scenario laid out is certainly possible. And the answer is we always want to support our players. And we understand any player that wants to play in the World Cup. Um, so, but we'll cross those bridges when we come to them in terms of player availability. You know, they may, they may not. That's out of our control. Um, you know, we want to put them in a position to succeed with their national teams. That's a big part of running a successful club and treating your players well. Um, and to the guys that go, we're going to be rooting for them in the World Cup because, uh, you know, we owe them our support as a club and they're going to get it. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's the, to the first point. And then, you know, for our team, we'll figure it out. So, Garth, one news that just came across my email here earlier this week, a youth affiliation here with Northwest United FC, previously known as the Skagit Storm. I wanted to give you a chance to talk about what this means for the club and then also in additionally uh, for the academy as well. It's a continuation of our local affiliations. Uh, you know, we now have, I think, up to half a dozen uh, youth partnerships. I think more than that, if you count the places that are outside of Washington State, obviously this is another local one. Uh, and we're really excited. We're really excited to continue to grow our footprint uh, within the Washington space. Uh, you know, you guys have heard me talk about how uh, with the S2 team now in Tacoma and the first team playing at CenturyLink in Seattle and our training facility down here in Tequila, um, we're making a really conscious effort to become not just a Seattle brand, but a Washington brand. Uh, and part of that is including kids in our academy from all over the state of Washington. And that's what we're trying to do. And that's what this partnership furthers. And, um, you know, again, we've, we've tripled our investment in player development in the last, just the last three years. Um, and we're going, we're, you know, I think it's, we're really starting to make progress. It's really starting to take over and we have to continue to fill the funnel with, uh, good technical, uh, individual players and, and bring up groups of players into S2 as quickly as possible. And, get them trained and, and hopefully be, begin pushing them to the first team here uh, relatively soon. I mean, Hedwala is a product, the first one who kind of came through, but the ideal path is, uh, you know, without taking a, uh, you know, is to go potentially to S2 and then straight to the first team. So we'll see how that goes as these guys continue to progress. Uh, but very excited about our new affiliate and our new partner. And, um, you know, we're going to hopefully help them with coaching and how to coach and a curriculum to help uh, develop better soccer players. And, uh, likewise, they'll be helping us with uh, some better soccer players. You talk about making the Sounders a, a Washington brand and making kind of like a statewide sort of thing. Next time we speak, the 100th match overall between Seattle and Portland will have taken place coming up this Sunday. I asked you this again last year, and I'll ask you again this year. This is the 100th matchup this year for Seattle and Portland. You've been a part of a number of these now. What does the massive Sounders-Timbers rivalry mean to you now that you've been a part of it for a while? You know, I would still say that what it means to Coach Spencer. Uh, you know, what you what you look at him when you talk to him and Tommy, man, it, it, it's something different. If you've been, you know, if you're born and raised in Seattle and you've been here for for uh, thirty, forty years in terms of coaching and playing and all that, so uh, I still just can't hold a candle to their 
passion and enthusiasm for it. But it, it's the best rivalry in our league, without a doubt. There's, I mean, there's no question. Um, we're going to be on national TV again. The stands going to be packed. It's always raucous. Um, you know, the fan bases enjoy one another in a special way. Um, it's always fun, and, and you know, it, it's it's the kind of game. This is the best thing I say is as a player, this is the kind of game you always want to play in. It, it, it is, you know, it means everything. Uh, you're going to give everything. Um, and it's just, it's a huge match. It's a huge match for us in the standings. Um, and, you know, we're going to go our best to go down there and, and try to get some points. So Sounders play tomorrow against Toronto FC, kickoff 4.30 here on KJR. And then Portland, that match on Sunday, it's a 1 p.m. kickoff pregame at 12.30. That's on Sunday. A big week full of games. Garth, it was a lot to talk about here with so much coming up. So we'll look for, uh, let's look optimistically, six-point week. Let's go have a six-point week and come out of here with a couple wins and be looking in the right direction here when we talk next week. Sound good? Hey, that's the spirit. You know, and I think even if we got a, a couple fewer than six, you know, you look at the week and you'd say, all right, uh, it's been a success. You know, we, we're uh, we're starting to turn the corner. Uh, so we're looking for good performances. Um, again, I think I came on last week and pointed out that our expected goals were higher than our opponent for the last six games. Uh, continued again, I believe. I think it was actually pretty close in Columbus. But, uh, you know, we have some positive trends. The metrics underneath the surface are not that bad. Um, and hopefully uh, we'll continue that progress in Toronto and at Portland. Uh, but these are two tough games. Uh, and for me, uh, you know, we want to continue to show progress. Uh, we need to win some games, uh, but the sky is not falling. Garth, appreciate your time again this evening. Thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot, guys. Great stuff there from Sounders general manager and president of soccer, Garth Logaway. Awesome stuff there. If you missed any of it, go check out the podcast on sportsradiokjr.com, also the iHeartRadio app. All right, one segment left here tonight in Sounders Weekly. A legend preparing to join us, Roger Levesque. He, of course, of the Sounders for 10 years, 2003 through 2012. He's seen it all. He's seen a lot of this rivalry between Seattle and Portland. So we'll talk to him about the 100th game down in Portland on Sunday. See what he sees from the attack right now. And also talk about Give Big Day. That's uh, something going on tomorrow. So we'll talk about all that with Roger Levesque. That's coming up next on Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950. Now back to Sounders Weekly on your home for Sounders FC. Seattle Sports Radio 950, KJR. Welcome back to Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders. Sports Radio 950, KJR. Just finishing up Sounders Weekly for the evening. Andrew Harvey, he's with Pro Soccer USA. He's with Sounder A Heart. He's the voice of S2. He called the Seattle Sounders' first team match on Saturday. Seriously, you do so many different things here with the soccer community. Oh, you think you think that's a problem? You should take a look at my tax return from last from last <laughs> year. Five different 1099 forms and lots of business expenses. Lots of hours spent on that. So thanks again for being here tonight, Andrew. It's, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, we have one segment left here in Sounders Weekly tonight. This show goes pretty fast. It's not like a podcast where you can take a, a long time over a, a long period. We actually have to worry about getting out because at 8 o'clock we are sending this to Game 5 of Pelicans against Warriors. We're going to be joining that game in progress as the Golden State Warriors look to close out that series and advance in the NBA playoffs. So that's coming up here momentarily on 950 KJR. But one segment left here in Sounders Weekly tonight. Before we talk to Roger Levesque, Sounders legend, he's going to be joining us just momentarily, a member of the Sounders from 2003 to 2012. You were teasing me in the break and you wouldn't tell me what you had, but you saw something about the Seattle-Portland match on Sunday that you say you have to tell me, so go ahead. So, Pro, the professional referees organization is very clearly uh, that the term in, in soccer fandom land is having a laugh. 
Uh, Daniel Radford, which is a name that you Wait a second. may recall, June 16th, <laughs> 2015, a day which will live in infamy. Uh, Daniel Radford, of course, the center referee for the infamous red card wedding debacle. Uh, in the U.S. Open Cup against the Portland Timbers. Wait, he can't be the set. He can't be the ref for this one. No, he's only the fourth official. I, I honestly, I'm not certain that he's been given a center referee position in quite some time. <laughs> he's had like two in the USL this year. Uh, but no, he's going to be the fourth official, which theoretically means if the center referee goes down, uh, Daniel Radford will be oh, no the referee for this match, and he'll also still just be there, which is going to be. Fascinating, uh, to say the least. <laughs> Seattle, and, Portland, and Daniel Radford all in the same place at the same time. It's mostly just wow. I, this is uh, I, he. This is the first time he's worked a Sounders match since that game. Uh, I remember the team had like filed a concern about him beforehand because of how often he handed out cards. And I mean, he's given out two in the nine he had as a center. This again, he's the fourth official, so it, it's kind of withdrawn but the fact that he was put back in charge of a Seattle wow. Portland game is just just <laughs> there's a word for it that may not be worthy of our airwaves yeah no it's i'm pretty sure we're on 7 second delay right <laughs> so, <laughs> people scrambling at the door now no and um Nate have the have the dump button ready <laughs> right exactly uh yeah so uh It'll be interesting, and it's an interesting assignment, to say the least. I just want to see the interaction between Clint Dempsey and him. Just the, a pregame handshake and just uh, to be a fly on a shoulder in that conversation, if there is one. I Honestly, I would love for Spencer to make Dempsey the captain for this game, just so we can have that. <laughs> just Dempsey out there in the middle. All right, well, it looks like he's on the phone, ready to go. Roger Lovec, Sounders legend, is now on our airwaves, joining us on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline. Roger, obviously a member of the Sounders from 2003 through 2012. Uh, so it's a pleasure to have you on here. Roger, how are you today? Uh, great, Jackson. Thanks for having me on tonight. Roger, it's Andrew here. Uh, we were just kind of rapping about the red card wedding because uh, Pro announced this week that Daniel Radford, the center from that match, is going to be the fourth official for... Portland Timbers hosting Seattle Sounders this weekend, and I just I'd love to know one as a former player how frustrating was that match for you to watch and just I mean what do you remember from the red card wedding? Were you at the stadium? I was in the stands that day, uh, and uh, from that perspective, I mean I, I was I think I was right. I mean literally even on the pitch uh, when Clint engaged uh, the referee. Um, and I, I mean, I don't think I've any, seen anything like that in all of my years of being around the game. Uh, I thought, I mean, um, was almost in disbelief um, as as it was playing out, um, and couldn't help but um, <laughs> find enjoyment in it. To be honest, uh, <laughs> it, it, it was it was <laughs> one of those like because it was so far fetched. It was just comically absurd, yeah. But yeah, so <laughs> yeah, Radford yeah. back in the fold for another Cascadia clash, apparently. Yeah, you usually don't need to um, to throw anything else in the mix to to spur the rivalry. I mean, the I mean Timber Sounders in ECS TA. I mean, usually that's I mean that's sort of a a, a recipe for um, some interesting stuff. But I mean, you throw that uh, throw that uh, that referee in the mix, and you know I can't wait to see what happens on Sunday. Yeah, that'll be fun Sunday, 1 p.m. kickoff right here on Sports Radio 950 KJR. So, Roger, you're joining us today to talk about Give Big Day. Tell us a little bit about Give Big Day. It's tomorrow, from what I understand. Yeah, Give Big. Um, it, eight years in running, um, a one-day online giving event uh, to raise funds for nonprofit organizations um, in the greater Seattle area. 
uh, Seattle Foundation um, puts it on um, every year, um, you know, growing every year. I think I mean, at this point, you know, for nonprofits, uh, the event has raised over $100 million um, on this one day, you know, and, and starting in, in, I think, 2011. You know, it was very early on in, you know, this idea of engagement through um, social media uh, for good. Uh, and, I mean, Seattle Foundation Give Big um, has really uh, nailed it uh, in terms of supporting the community uh, through um, raising awareness, um, bringing great energy, uh, and engaging. Uh, and over the years, one of, um, I think, one of the original partners um, from that year and whose who's engagement has only increased um, over time has been uh, the Seattle Sounders. Uh, and so that was you know, sort of my... Uh, first um, participation in Give Big was as a player and then got to experience it when I was um, sort of running the community outreach efforts for Sounders and, you know, and now still still a part of it uh, as a board member for the Sounders uh, philanthropic arm, Ray Foundation. So, Roger, other than making commercials where you're cutting down trees, and we all find those very hilarious and very fun, <laughs> what have you been up to mm-hmm. other, than, other than being part of Give Big Day as well? What have you been up to here in the area over since 2012? Right. I mean, so as I mentioned, I'm still um, a, uh, deeply part of the Sounders organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, not my day-to-day anymore, uh, working in the in the front office, but... Um, as a as a board member for the Rave Foundation, uh, and that and you know, it's a chance for me to stay connected to the club and still um, and I'll still be a part of something that meant so much um, for such a long time. Uh, and so Rave Foundation, um, still, I mean, loving to be a part of of Sounders FC uh, and that world. Uh, my day to day actually work for a, a technology company here in Seattle uh, called Vices. Um, so focused on uh, sports safety uh, and specific to head injuries. And so uh, first first product was a, a football helmet that sort of redefined and changed the game in um, in that world. Um, and so have uh, landed here and um, leveraging a, a post-Sounders uh, graduate degree at the University of Washington Foster School of Business and uh, to sort of dive into um, a little bit, you know, different of approach to uh, to giving back. You know, still a very important issue, you know, as we think about, you know, not just football, but um, sort of uh, head injuries and in other sports and incidental contact and, you know, just trying to get a better understanding of, of, of what that is. So, uh, you know, still very much a part of the Seattle community uh, and loving um, every minute of it. Roger Levesque is our guest, Sounders legend. He was with the team from 2003 through 2012. Mm-hmm. So, Roger, you're obviously still connected to the team, as you mentioned. What are your thoughts on this season so far overall? It's been a little bit frustrating with the element of the injuries and fixture congestion. I mean, as Garth Lagerway, who was on with us just a few moments ago here on Sounders Weekly, said the sky isn't falling yet. What are your thoughts on the season so far for the club? Yeah, I mean, completely agree with Garth. And I generally, I mean, I take the the long view. Maybe it's just because I had a, a long career and, I know lots of ups and downs of, you know, starting in the MLS with San Jose and then um, ending up in Seattle, um, playing with the USL team for years and, you know, ended up being the best thing that possibly could have happened to me as, you know, I think, um, you know, I'm excited for, you know, you know, a tough stretch. It's the long-term view uh, 
And I think it's, I'm excited, you know, for them to, this team to hit their stride and really show their true colors. And, you know, I think it's only a matter of time. Roger, uh, a former teammate of yours, Sebastian Latou, announced this week that he's mm. he's getting ready to hang him up. And obviously, you know, both you and he are, are very loved by the soccer community out here. You're both guys that came out and, and made the USL to MLS jump. Um, and I just, I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on his career and, and what he was like as a teammate and uh, and what the Philadelphia Union are going to be uh, missing with him. Yeah, I mean, Sebastian was the best. I think you... You know, and you talk to Sounders fans, and you know, I think, you know, unfortunately, you know, in my eyes, his his time in Seattle was, you know, was far too short, you know, for the type of uh, player, and then more importantly, I'd say the type of the person that he is, and obviously came here uh, in 2007 and joined the USL team, and you know, sort of completely, um, you know, redefined, you know, what. Um, it meant to be a professional, you know, in my eyes. Uh, he, the way he presented himself, the way he approached not just training but matches, you know, I learned a lot in those, you know, two years leading up to the MLS from Seba, even though he was, I mean, at the time he was 23, 24, I mean, still young, but, um, you know, he was um, committed uh, to the game. And, and not only that, but, um, to the fans, and I think that's what I'll I'll remember most um, from Seba and his time in Seattle was there's not one match where he wasn't the last person you know to leave the stadium after a game um, because he was out there signing autographs. You know his commitment uh, to you know being a good person and a good human. Um, so you know wishing him all the best and know you know whatever he decides to do wherever he ends up, which. You know, maybe it'll be Seattle, and I would put a, I might shoot him a text uh, after this, and <laughs> you know, plant a seed. But you know, wherever he ends up and whatever he does, he, he's going to be successful. Roger, we thank you for your time this evening. Again, you can go to givebigseattle.org to learn how you can be a part of Give Big Day tomorrow. Roger Levesque, part of the Sounders from 2003-2012 on pa- the club. Part of the Sounders and forever, was, Jackson. I, hey, you know what? Part you cut me sound- off, Andrew. You <laughs> cut me off. As, as you heard, he's still a big part of this club and this community. Roger, we thank you for everything you've done, and thank you for joining here on Sounders Weekly this evening. Jackson, Andrew, it's been a pleasure. Anytime. Great stuff there from Roger Levesque, a member of the Sounders for a long time. Andrew, he's still part. I know you were trying to cut me off there. He, he's still a part of the Sounders and, and part of the soccer community. That's, I do know that. That's how it goes with the Sounders, though. I mean, everyone you talk to that retires, there's something yeah. about this club. And I don't think that's something ineffable. We can recognize that. But everyone wants to wind up being part of what Seattle has going on. Soccer City USA. That'll do it uh, for Sounders Weekly tonight. It's been a fun show. Uh, if you missed any of it, you can check out the podcast sportsradiokj.com, the iHeartRadio app. Andrew Harvey has been my guest for this whole show. Andrew, thanks again for coming in. You're from Pro Soccer USA. Sounder at heart. You can go read his stuff. Listen to the matches on ESPN Plus for S2 matches. You occasionally do the first team match as you did this last Saturday. You're all over and thanks again for coming in today. Oh, absolutely. I, uh, I always love doing Hits with you guys on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Uh, There you go. You're learning even the tagline. It's perfect. All right. You will be able to hear Sounders against Toronto FC tomorrow. Kickoffs at 4.30. We'll start pregame at 4 o'clock right here on KJR. So make sure you listen to that. And then Sunday, Sounders playing Portland. A hundredth matchup between Seattle and Portland. That'll be at 1 o'clock kickoff on Sunday. So a busy week full of huge games for the Seattle Sounders. 
as Garth was talking about earlier, it'd be really good to get uh, four or even six points out of these ones. So we'll see how this team does this week. So that'll do it for Sounders Weekly tonight. We are going to go and join Game 5 of Pelicans against Warriors in the NBA playoffs. We're going to join them in progress. So make sure you listen tomorrow at 4 o'clock for Sounders Toronto. And now, after a short break, enjoy the NBA playoffs on Sports Radio 950 KJR.